0: Alright, so welcome to my Summer layer Space Station Oddity. Uh, I am your co-host uh, today, Sammy, and I'm joined by... Stephanie, future Emmy winner. Oh, look at that. Or maybe Oscar winner. Okay, shoot, I gotta like... <laughs> I gotta get a award of some kind for myself too. If you're gonna win like Oscar and Emmys or whatever. Uh, Tony, can I get a Tony then? Is that the only thing left then? No, Tony and Grammy. Then you've got the full EGOT. No, you know what actually I would like to get? I think would be phenomenal to get is a Razzie.
1: Yes, but you can only get a Razzie if you're going to the Oscars the next day to get an Oscar because that's why Halle Berry showed up at the Razzies and that is still one of my favorite Razzies ever. so it's just the lp but it's the not the they tend to they tend to go more clean lines futuristic you know uh, a lot of you know heavy japanese influence um because one of the band members japanese one of them is half japanese um so that's where that came from so that's what the tattoo is um and that so basically so that's why i said i was like let's talk about something in you know that's we, you know, we always talk about, okay, well, what's your favorite song? What's your favorite band? What are you listening to right now? You know, it's, it's, it's always meant, you know, you see those things when they do those quick quizzes with celebrities and they ask those questions and, the, and it's meant to kind of give an insight into who you are now. But I feel like sometimes we tend to, we don't always take a look at what was the most influential on the, in a basic level like this radio mm-hmm. TV film more books podcasts whatever what's the one that you loved the most had the most influential so yeah like you said you know was a cornerstone for you and that's the topic I wanted to talk about because I felt like you know last week we talked music the week before we talked uh upcoming shows and yeah we need to talk movies because and also in two days the uh i'm sure you saw the news in two days we are going to be getting matrix trailers Mm -hmm. so um it's already online so but i felt like is it well no i heard teaser trailers are online but i think we're supposed to get an actual trailer trailer in two days okay i saw something that was
0: about two minutes long
1: so um anyways uh yes so that's that's what i wanted to talk about Okay, I told my I told my three now your turn
0: <laughs> wait but though I have a question though I have a follow-up question though okay before I get into okay. mine um which is then like uh for you I know Buffy is a big cornerstone not just for you but for a lot of people uh, a lot of nerds mm-hmm. uh, are big Buffy fans but what was the yeah what was the kind of attraction for you what was the connection with Buffy for you was it the vampires
1: you know it's no it's There's actually a story there and it's kind of a funny one. So when I was in grade school and going all the way through high school, I was not exactly what you would call popular by any stretch of anybody's imagination. I mean, I had friends here and there growing up, but anyways, when I was in high school, we had a career center, you know, where you can go in and that's where you would go to learn about the colleges and different, you know, career paths and all this kind of stuff.
2: What color is my hair? I
1: used to hide in there. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I used to hide in there at lunchtime when I had nowhere to go and I did not want to sit by myself at lunch, you know, because the people who were my sometimes friends were not hanging out with me at that particular moment or whatever, you know, and, um, I used to go in there, I used to do my homework and I became pretty tight with the woman who ran the career center. The woman who ran the career center was Rosemary Swanson, who's Christy Swanson's mother. Um, yeah yeah she was the she was the she ran the Christian. christy christy grew up like one town over she went to she went to high school with one of my brother's best friends growing up
2: mm-hmm.
0: um
1: and this is of course so... the original movie the what
0: this is the original yeah, Buffy movie, yeah like...
1: yeah she was she, yeah the buffy movie she's the one who played buffy in the original movie right anyway so that was part of the reason i went in there because i was a i mean i you know because Near kid and you have absolutely no chill whatsoever. I still mm. have no chill, but this was kid no chill. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a huge fan of the movie. It was campy, I know that, but I'm like, I love that movie. It was, like, so fun for me. I still think it's fun. I love watching that movie. I'm like, I think that movie aged so well. It is so campy and such a, like, a great mm-hmm. cult classic, especially up against TV show. Um, but anyways, I used to go in there because she had, like, she had movie posters for um, Christy all over the walls and stuff. And it's like, it was known who her daughter was and so um you know she knew that i was a that i was a fan and so she, she a couple times when her daughter came by she introduced me and i swear i'm like i had a heart attack the first time christy walked in Kid um, no chill. but any i had absolutely no chill none whatsoever <laughs> you know because i heard she was coming she knew that christy was gonna be coming right at the end of lunch and i wasn't gonna actually be able to stick around to like meet meet her so Mm -hmm. she's like just write her a note and I'll give it to her or you know you can give it to her if she shows up in time and she showed up right as the bell was ringing and I tried to give it my hand was shaking so badly like like I was vibrating
2: Mm
1: -hmm. so anyways (laughs) um I know uh so anyway so (laughs) I had that connection with her and you know Mrs. Swanson kind of became like my de facto kind of she was almost like my Giles, you know, she kind of looked out for me all through high school. Cause you know, it was hard for me. I'm like, yeah, I was involved in stuff, but I was just, I was always the outsider, the outcast, even in the theater group, I was the outcast. So um, That's impressive. she actually put off retire. Yeah. She put off retiring a year until I graduated. So she retired the year I graduated. She, yeah, she had the plan of and she was going to graduate the year before. And then, I mean, she was going to retire a year before. And then she waited till the end of my senior year. Um, Buffy came out my senior year of high school. Um, it was a mid season replacement, although for those who either know the show or plan to watch the show, because you should, uh, second episode, the cheer, the cheerleader, the tryouts actually say 1996 on it. Cause it was originally supposed to be a fall show. So, um, a little trivia tidbit for you. But anyways, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. so she asked me once at random, she's like, are you going to watch it? And at that time, I mean, it had been four years, you know, like the, the the movie came out when I was in junior high, you grow up and stuff like that. You kind of get over your like, you know, you know, absolute no chill of, you know, I got over the fact who her daughter was, you know, Mrs. Swanson became more important to me, obviously. Mm-hmm. So and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll watch it. I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking, but I kind of was like, man, I don't know. I don't know. My mind. She's like, no, watch it. Watch it. I really want to see what you think of it. And so I was like, all right, fine. I'll watch it. Just because, you know, she asked and she wanted to talk about it. And then it snowballed from there. I was hooked from the pilot, and that was it. That was my show. That was my show for the next seven years. All because, all because Mrs. Swanson said, "Are you going to watch it? Please watch it. I want to know what you think." If she hadn't asked me, I might have. I still don't know to this day if I would have watched it or not. But like, it was important to her, and she was important to me. So I watched it, and it just the. I could relate, you know, it's like, as you know, if you've, if you know anything about the show, like the whole concept of beginning, like most TV shows, dramatic shows of any kind of like they tend to start out serialized. And it was always about the monster of the week and monsters of the week were always based on around real high school bs that you deal with Mm -hmm. so like in the cheerleader episode it was it dealt with you know a psycho cheerleader mom who actually turned out to be a witch and took over her daughter's body because she thought her daughter wasn't good enough to be a cheerleader so she was going to be the cheerleader for her she was a witch so um oh that was the cheerleader was the name of the episode the witch was the name of the episode yeah exactly so anyways um and so i really could relate it's like i could relate to uh, you know kind of always a the whole people, you know, you know, the Scooby gang, Buffy, Xander, Willow, and then eventually Cordelia, all four of them, I could relate to a piece of them. You know, it's uh, the how they were outcasts and how that worked in the different parts of their lives. You know, Cordelia was a super popular cheerleader, but she was still an outcast on some level. There's a reason that she hung out with them. You know, Willow was the default to the core especially a season nerd you know like the classic you know dresses dowdy doesn't you know like all that whole thing and then xander was just the he was well they did a whole episode title he was the zeppo um and then there was buffy who was very pretty easily could have been the most popular person anywhere she went but because of the nature of who she was She always came across as weird because nobody knew what was actually going on with her. They're just like, why does she always, why why do I always spot her in a cemetery? You know, why do I see blood on her clothes? You know, why is she like busting out these like wooden stakes? It's like things like that, you know? And so she was the weird girl. And, you know, it's all of those different things, you know, I... I felt on some level I related to a lot and, you know, going from high school and going into college and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I kind of sucked off in junior college before I got my act together and then went to Cal state Fullerton and graduated and Buffy actually ended the same year I graduated from college. So it was, it was like having it start my senior year in high school and then, you know, taking six years to graduate from college, but I graduated, you know, Um, and then having it end my senior, you know, my, my last year in college just felt very coming of age on both ends. You know, it was very coming of age, this, this, this transition from, you know, this shy, like really insecure, just total freak 14 year old who ended up, you know, like living in the career center when nobody wanted to hang out with her. And that all started because I knew that she was Christy Swanson's mom, which, you know, at the end of the four years circled back on itself because Christy's mom is the one who said, I want you to watch this and I want your opinion. And then having it finished the year I graduated from college, it just like it had such a massive impact on my life at that time. And I honestly, you know, at least from the TV perspective, Buffy saved my life figuratively and literally in a couple places like saved my life you know gave me an outlet to help kind of uh, you know feel like I could still do good I could still matter even though I felt like freak you know so um and I felt just so out of place um and so that's why that's that's how that's why Buffy was part of it because like I said I was like it's not just that it was my favorite show and I'd still consider it my favorite show it's because of what it Meant to my life and what it did to my life and how it affected it across the board. um, uh, At that, at that, you know, at that time, at that particular time of my life. So So, does Buffy
0: then naturally segue into uh, Supernatural?
1: No. Oh God! You know what's funny? I tried to watch Supernatural. I, I, I didn't watch Supernatural when it started um i knew about it though because i was on tumblr and like early early days of tumblr was the holy trinity it was part of the holy trinity of tumblr it was doctor who supernatural and sherlock um so i saw Supernatural, and the running joke on tumblr and still is a little bit to this day is that there was a gif for everything from supernatural like everything (laughs) there was the running like there was a whole massive super super long post on tumblr once it was like It was, you know, that had a response to everything. So I'm like, I saw so many gifts and so many, like so much that, um, it was a few years ago. I forget when like 2014, 2015, right after I moved to New York, it was like, I think my first summer here, I binged it. And that was back when there were, I can't, I can't remember if there were eight seasons and season nine was starting. If there were nine seasons and season. I don't remember. I just remember nine. Um, and I binged it. And, um, I could not tell you a single thing about any finale. I could not tell you what any season was about Mm -hmm. because it just all kind of blended together after a while. Um, Buffy's big bads, like they had a big bad every season, but it just kind of felt like, like it was stacked on top of each other. So it was like, it was all the same theme and the same theme. It's just a bigger version of it, you know? Um and with Buffy, I'm like the big bad every season was very distinctive from one season to the next. Very, very, very creative, very distinctive. And and Joss, you say whatever you want about Joss Whedon, the man is a genius when it comes to playing the long game because Mm -hmm. he planted seeds about stuff in earlier seasons that you're like, okay, like when Dawn came in in season five, all of a sudden Buffy has a sister, and you're like, what? Um, that if you once that started people and people had, you know, we're going back and watching earlier seasons as you do all of a sudden we realized like, Oh my God, he was planting her years earlier. Like there was a lot of stuff that got planted super early on that, you know, he just was really good at like bringing all of these different storylines together and just building it into something that, you know, to anybody coming in would think this is really out of left field. But if you know, like you're like, no, like they, they were making mentions of this in season one, Mm-hmm. so yeah Supernatural is just like I never and, and, and when the show started up again that fall never watched it never watched the next season have not watched a single episode since then although I will say this and I've said this to everybody I was like you don't need to watch Supernatural all you need to do is watch the first 10 minutes of it because that was one of the coolest openings I've ever that was cool and the coolest pi- pilot openings I have ever seen in my life um,
0: that's so true. Yeah.
1: um but that's
0: it But the interesting thing, thing, what you're saying about Buffy is that like Josh, uh, Josh Whedon would like kind of layer things like little put little clues and stuff. So that when you go back, watch an earlier mm -hmm. show or an earlier season, you're like, okay, I can see where the sister was coming in at that at that time. But Mm -hmm. the way things are now, like I always have that that problem because sometimes there's like a be a brand new nerd show and I want to watch it. But I'm yeah. afraid to commit to it because these things don't last as much as they used to. You know what I mean? And so I don't want to no. get left yeah. left hanging. But if I don't commit to it, not enough people will watch it, <laughs> right? And then you get left hanging either. Like it is
1: the biggest catch-22. It's awful.
0: Right? Yes, and I know there, exactly
1: what you're talking about.
0: And there are so many campaigns. We just saw the Save Manifest campaign, uh, and that one actually mm-hmm. successfully worked. Now they're gonna have a closure season on season four on Netflix. But there are a lot that just, like, that just don't go anywhere and just don't successfully save themselves. So you end up with this, like, cliffhanger of, like, I don't know why those people came back. I don't know what happened here. Like, and you just got to kind of wander through life with this, like, lack of closure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That I I got to say, though, like, one of the things that's mentioning that in particular. I was like, I got to say one of my favorite things, though, is the way. One of the good things that has come out of the advent of social media is fans rallying and how many shows over the years since social media became a thing that have been saved because of fans save events. You know, Chuck made it to five seasons because every single year when it was on the bubble about to get canceled there was a massive like inundation from the fans like uh uh-uh, uh to the point that Chuck actually got to have a final season mm-hmm. and so, and also one of my favorites I think is Veronica Mars because Veronica Mars ended on a huge cliffhanger mm-hmm. and they they um uh Rob Thomas not the lead singer of uh, Matchbox Twenty um he had done this whole uh teaser Uh, presentation for the WB it was on, I think originally, um, about, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's about, you know, for this fourth season about doing a kind of a time jump or blah, 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 that never got anywhere. It got canceled, canceled. But then years later, he wanted to do a movie and I don't know if you remember, but he crowdfunded it. And it was one of the most successful crowdfunding campaigns in history. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think it started trying to raise something like a million dollars and it raised like 10, I don't know, it was like or like it was such a crazy to, yeah, compared to yeah. what it was to the point that they're like the movie got made. And because the movie was because of the success around that and all when that whole thing started a few years ago with uh show revivals, you know, like Gilmore Girls was one of the first to kick it off, like that sort of thing. That's when they're like, okay, we can bring back Veronica Mars. And we got closure. You mm-hmm. know, there's, yeah, there's, there's still questions. Cause it's not the kind of show that will ever close all of, you know, answer all the questions, like the end of the Sopranos. Like you could never have, you could never have ended that any other way. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got a lot of closure on stuff that we never got watching the series. So I love that. I lo- like what you're talking about. I was like, well, you get so nervous about it. But at the same time, I'm like, with social media, the way it is, I'm like, I feel like They don't like stuff gets canceled a lot faster than it used to because of social media. Um, If they're not seeing immediate reaction, then you know it's like box office. The box office isn't big the first weekend, then they don't care. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, But now, but also, I love seeing these things that get brought back. Because of fans rallying and, you know, mailing Subway sandwiches in truckloads to the WB offices or whatever show or whatever channel Chuck was on.
0: It's Fox. a weird, Yeah. It's a so weird, that's the part of the problem, I think, too, is like Fox and NBC and uh, CW and all these other like major networks. They kind of, quote unquote, have to make yeah. mainstream shows. Right. They have to appeal to as much of a broad yeah. audience as possible. Whereas Netflix, which has, like, the scatter approach of, like, we're going to release 20 things this month, right? Some of it's going to be a kid show. Yeah. Some of it's going to be, like, a movie with, like, The Rock. Some of it's going to be, like, a couple of mm-hmm. TV shows. One, this, like, weird German show. Yeah. Like, because they're doing a, the scatter approach like that, they can afford to have a little bit of hits and misses or niche things or whatever it may be. It doesn't always have yep. to hit and go mainstream. Whereas for NBC, it's, like... Whatever the numbers were for Manifest, I don't know what the ratings were. It obviously was just enough, but not quite enough, right? Like, it, they got to three seasons, so they had some sort of numbers or some yeah. sort of momentum. But again, it wasn't always enough. And every year, it would end on a cliffhanger, and every season it would be like everyone have to hold their breath and see if NBC is going to renew it. And they got to finally season three, another cliffhanger, and NBC is like, we're done. We're, we're not going to Manifest a new season, mm-hmm. right? Right.
1: The, I I wonder part of that. I mean, I don't have to wonder this. I'm like, I studied it in school, so I should know the answer to this. I think a lot of it comes down to real estate, you know? And I think that that's the part that sucks is that these, this is where I think network show network channels like you're talking about are getting this wrong, you know? Like, which the example you just gave, Manifest, you know, it's like they keep trying, they keep trying, they're like, screw it, we're not doing it anymore. You're like, okay, well, the great approach that, channels like you know like streamers like netflix and any of that stuff have that 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 the network channels are not utilizing enough is going okay well this show isn't doing well uh it's not working in the time slot or it's not working like that and we need that space for something that's going to do well it's like okay fine so move it online, move it just to your streamer. Try it there. Don't push it off to, you know, like you know, like with Lucifer, um, Fox just took it off the air and Netflix swooped in and picked it up. Mm-hmm. And um where Fox could have gone, okay, well, let's put it on, or you know, let's put it on a streaming. Let's put it, let's run it through streaming, like make it deal with Netflix, or you know, like or something like that, where it's their show, but or put it on their own streamers. You know, like for example, there, there's Peacock now, there's Paramount Plus. Um, you know, these shows that
0: the say that again. Tubi, I think Fox is partly owned by. Oh yeah, Tubi. Tubi, I think Fox has kind of put some money to Tubi.
1: Well, it's like these, it's like, why are more of them going, okay, well, we only have so much space on broadcast TV. We mm-hmm. have time slots that we have to stick to. So if it's not working here, let's put it somewhere where a time slot doesn't matter, you know, and they're not utilizing it enough. Cause I think what you're talking about is we'd see a lot more shows that would be a lot more successful if they were, instead of canceling them, you put them in a buffer zone of, OK, well, then let's try it just directly through streaming and see how it does there.
0: Uh, yeah. And that's I, think, I don't think we're getting enough of that. No, and I think you're right. I think the, the that's why it's made a difference between like the established networks like NBC, ABC, CBS, all that, because they are still looking at it as a 24 hour day and they got to fill up this time no matter what. No dead air, no dead yeah. air. Whereas Netflix doesn't have, mm-hmm. like, shelf space, right? They don't have to fill in, like, the 8 p.m. slot, right? There's no such thing as prime time on Netflix, yeah. right? It's just open 24-7, mm-hmm. right? It's like an airport. You just go whenever you want, and then you just take off on whatever adventure you want. That's the way Netflix works. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think that, yeah, I think that's where so many networks are getting it wrong. It's like, why, why are you just going, well, screw it. We don't want to keep doing it. Go, okay, well, you know, if you've, if the first few episodes don't do well, then just move it to streaming and then just drop them on the Whatever day that they came out on, just drop the next episode that day. You know, you can pull out, you know, uh, you can, a lot of the ones that still have like, if it's free, it sells commercials. You're still running commercials through it, you know, but you're giving it a chance for people who like, I mean, I don't even, well, okay. Well, and in, in all fairness, I also don't have cable and haven't in a few years, but it's like, even if I, even last time I had cable, I didn't have a DVR. No use for a DVR because like half the shows I didn't watch that were on, like like I think one of the last shows I was watching before I got rid of cable was Preacher. Mm-hmm. I'm like I didn't need a DVR because I could just because FX was turning around and putting it online where you could watch it, and so I'm like I don't want to have to be I don't want to have to have this DVR when everything can be when everything can be on a streamer, you know, just do it that way. I know CW does with their shows, but it's not happening enough, and they're not just going okay, well. You know, if you're already streaming it like the next day or a week later or something like that on um on your streaming app, if you think of shows not doing if show is it's a show that you want to cancel on your broadcast channel, then instead of going, okay, well, we're gonna air it and then air go, okay, turn around, it's going all online. It'll drop the same day it's going all online, and then go from there and see how it does um that way. So that's very frustrating to me that enough shows are not getting their opportunity because they're not taking advantage of that.
0: Yeah. And the, the other thing too, is like, I like the fact that like a lot of stuff is on, on a streamer now where like I can go my own pace. Mm -hmm. Like Netflix is like, here's the 10 episodes for season one. I'm like, perfect. I can then Mm -hmm. sit down and I can watch like one episode, then like take off for like three days and come back and watch episode two. Like I I can go my own pace. Mm -hmm. Right. And I like that. Or you can can do like I did last night. You Which um... was
1: binge watch the entirety of clickbait. <laughs> oh,
0: how was I? I gotta okay. <laughs> we can go on a tangent, but uh, is clickbait good? I want to check it okay. out. Watch
1: it. Um, I thought the I thought the premise was I really liked the premise, and I liked where they took a where a lot of the direction went. Some of it I could see coming, some of it I couldn't. Uh, there are things that I'm still on the fence about. That uh, without giving anything away, I don't. I don't know how I feel about certain things, you know, obviously that how things were wrapped up. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I, it's the kind of thing I definitely, definitely, definitely want. Uh, you know, I've got a lot of people who've asked me that today, like, Oh, I want to watch it. I'm like, please do watch it. I have, I have questions. I have to know, like, am I crazy for thinking this or, you know, does this, you know, Whatever. But oh. yeah, I think it's worth watching because I thought the premise was really interesting. Yes. I really liked it. I mean, I binged the whole thing in one night. I'm like, I did not go to bed till after two in the morning because I was like, no, no,
2: no, no.
0: I need to see where this goes. <laughs> so the clickbait works. So,
1: yes. Yes.
0: All right. we Maybe we can do it <laughs> so... in a future episode then. I'll watch it soon and we can do a future episode. Well, uh, we went down your uh, Buffy tangent for the most part. Uh, so yes. I'm going uh-huh. to go uh, and talk about another uh, celebrated woman. Uh, who identified mm-hmm. herself as Mary Poppins with breasts? This is, uh, of course, um, her name. Well, well, her name is Lisa, but she's the uh, fictional, or she's the kind of made-up, the created character in Weird Science, the John Hughes movie. Oh yes, Mary Poppins with breasts. So That's much. how she. When she said that, in uh, she said yeah. that. Um, uh, Kelly Brock, she said that in a documentary, a John Hughes documentary, uh, Don't Forget About Me. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly mm-hmm. what that movie was. Like, it's just a complete fantasy. But it was, it literally yeah. was weird science because the last third of the film, the guys from Mad Max 2, the ro- road warriors, just randomly show up mm-hmm. at this party. And so you have these like mm-hmm. cybernetic bikers uh, with like mohawks and like mesh tank tops and studded leather. And you have this, like, girl that they made from a computer when lightning hit their home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, this is completely absurd and it's completely funny and it's complete fantasy. But I'm like, I like what's happening here. This is a weird party, but I like being invited to this weird party. Mm-hmm. So, Is that your movie? That is one of the cornerstones, yeah. Because it was weird science. It was also John Hughes, which obviously helped uh and of course yeah. robert downey jr was a nasty punk in the movie uh of course we didn't know who robert downey was at that time right because it takes a little while for it to kind of click in like that, that guy seems to do a lot of cool films
1: i uh i can't even tell you how many times i saw that movie as a kid i i mean they're obviously obviously so many of the jokes from that movie went right over my head oh yeah yeah um and you know, which is another thing I love. Like when you go back and watch movies from your kid, and you're like, Oh, that's what that meant. <laughs> um That's why everyone's laughing. But yeah, but um that was like I, I couldn't you know, I can I didn't know that. I didn't know she said that in an interview. but like when you say it, I'm like, No, that's literally what that is. She's literally Mary poppins with big boobs. Oh my god.
0: Yeah. Um <laughs> The penny dropped, I'll be you're
1: honest, like, I never actually thought of it that way.
0: Yeah. It's just like never a,
1: thought of it as Mary Poppins character. Now I can't unsee it.
0: Yeah, it's just like a super fox Mary Poppins. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. all it is. I was like, oh, that's a well done." That must have been the pitch or something. I think that John Hughes said to her, like, or maybe that's how we got the money from the studio. I don't know. But yeah, it was just because so, of the the weird mashup of all that stuff that's happening. Um, I'm like, yeah, this is literally weird science.
1: So, but why is that? why is that something that you know would using it with like a cornerstone for you or something that was important you know like what you know not just something that you love but i mean is there something about it that movie i mean what was going on in your life when the movie came out i don't know
0: yeah so uh, what i found interesting was like that it, it it kind of went through several different genres right so it like mm-hmm. most times like because when we were growing up we would go to the re- video rental store right and you would have everything like nicely uh like categorized right this is a comedy this is a horror right so you knew where to find friday Mm -hmm. the 13th right you go to the horror section you could find it there uh comedies you knew how to find like airplane and other movies and things like that but weird science it is technically classified as a comedy but because it has so much absurdity in it that it's like it kind of crosses over because it's a little bit science fiction. It's a little bit of a send up of, like, Frankenstein. It has, like, actual kind of layers. Um, so it's like, if you actually want to go down deeper a little bit with it, there's something there. But if you just want to watch it as Mary Poppins' with breasts, then you can just go on your way. And so just the idea that, like, you could cross over genres, you can kind of mix these things up, you can put them all into a blender and still make a really cool smoothie. I was like, this is crazy. I'm like, because it, it's just it felt like you were crossover like boundaries. Like are you, like you're crossing the streams from ghostbusters. That's what it felt like.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. I never thought of it that way, but it's like, it's like, yeah, it's like so many of these movies. And honestly, I think we still get movies like that today, but I think we got a lot more movies like that back then because, you know, using ghostbusters as an example, I'm like, that movie was very much comedy, but that movie also was like a bit horror and a bit, it was dark. It was mm-hmm. really freaking dark yeah um and you know it's really dark and then you have the fucking stay puff marshmallow man so <laughs> and so it's like what do you categorize as and i know it was categorized at the time still is is comedy but i mean even watching the trailer for the new one that's mm-hmm. coming up i still can't tell you i can't look at that and say okay this is this is where it fits in a blockbuster, this is this is the area you're going to put it in. I can't tell you that. I mean, the most I could say or the easiest I could go with is action adventure. But is it action adventure? Because, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of action adventure comedies. Um, but, you know, there's, there's, you know, like Indiana Jones is another good example, especially Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't like that one. They think it's crap. But the, that movie was like had a lot of funny in it. But that was uh, like excuse the language, even though I've already dropped the F bomb a few times, <laughs> that whole thing at the end was fucked up. yeah that whole thing in the temple was so I' mean like child slaves mm-hmm. ripping hearts out. I'm like it was I mean it was really really, really messed up. yeah. And yeah, the, the whole thing that happened with the, the whole thing that happened with the the Ark of the Covenant in in the other one, um, of the lost Ark. Like, yeah, I was like, I wasn't allowed to watch that scene as a kid. I had to cover my eyes whenever that scene happened. Mm-hmm. But that was that one scene, you know, whereas it's like the entire last third of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. You're like, this is, this is, I, I feel like I'm wa- I'm not watching the same movie. I was, the same type of movie I was watching at the beginning.
2: Yeah, it's, um, it's especially the Will Ferrell
1: line.
0: Yeah, the, it's the Will Ferrell line. Like, Well, that escalated quickly uh, from Anchorman, right? Yes. Because you yes. go in and you're like, all right. That's see, exactly it. Right? You, exp- you go in with either Indiana Jones or Ghostbusters Weird Science. You're like, all right. So they're going to make this girl out of the computer. I get it. Right? And then all of a sudden, like, biker uh-huh. dudes from Mad Max show up. I'm like, how did we get to this? <laughs> like, what <laughs> what road or what where did we turn left? Right? Like, it's like you're saying with the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Like, all right, Slimer makes sense. And there's ghosts in the library. Sure, whatever. And then it's just giant Stay Puff shows up out of nowhere. I'm like. How how did we end up here? <laughs> like what what road or what direction did we take that we ended up here?
1: Yeah, I I think I feel like we don't see that as much in films these days, and I wish we did, because you know as much as I thought, and I mean the 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 last Ghostbusters movie, the 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 one with the, the three female leads, yeah. Yeah, I liked I liked that movie in the way that I knew what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. And it was fun. Aside from anything it was fun. But the problem with that movie is that it deviated so hard from the multi themes of the first two movies mm-hmm. that it it pushed it too far into into camp. Mm-hmm. Too far into camp. Way too far into it. Um, because the first two movies had that, had a mix, a good, solid, balanced mix of comedy and horror, um, where this one was just campy. And I think, you know, a lot of people, you know, dumped on that movie because, uh, you know, there were a lot of people, there were a lot of people who dumped on the movie strictly because it was three female leads and they were pissed about it, you know, um, But at the end of the day, I think that that's not where the movie went wrong. You know, Mm -hmm. that's not because you can you can successfully have an all-female lead Mm -hmm. of a previous all-male franchise. Perfect example is Ocean's 8. That movie was brilliant. Um, But but that's because that movie stuck to this theme of the Ocean's movies, you know, and, and like, I mean, hell, even Sandra Bullock's character was Danny Ocean's sister. Yeah. And they had a very similar vibe about the two of them, you know, and Kate Blanchett was a perfect balance, you know, the way Brad Pitt was to George Clooney. I was like, so you, you Felt like you were st- you felt like you were in the Ocean's franchise watching that movie, the Ghostbusters movie. I did not feel like I was in the franchise watching it. Mm-hmm. So, and I feel and I feel like that's the problem. Is like we see so many things that just get pushed in. You know, like they're just so different. You know, the new i the new Coming to America movie. I was like, it. I, I don't. I think it's because it was like we got a PG thirteen instead of an R or something like that. I was like, but what made the first one some of the most iconic lines out of the first coming to America they couldn't even say in the new one. And I'm like it pushed it way too much into campy comedy. Mm-hmm. Um and I wish that we saw more of that people not people stop being afraid to push the envelope. You know, stop being afraid to do that. It was like stop being scared that, you know, because you get an R rating mm-hmm. that your movie's gonna tank. People would have loved the movie and seen the movie more, I honestly believe, coming to America, the psychic one, if they'd actually pushed it more into the territory of the first.
0: Yeah, especially with the they cast did. they had, too, with like Tracy Morgan and they had all the yeah. new comics and stuff. I'm like, just let them go because, you know, mm-hmm. they improvised. Right. Or there was little outtakes and things like that yeah. between things where they probably shouldn't have said something. Mm-hmm. I know like there's um Robin Williams. When he did the genie for Disney, would obviously had to go PG. Yeah. But he would obviously improvise, and he'd be going, he'd be running off, and he wasn't paying attention, and he would drop bombs, right? So there's like swears and like inappropriate, like sexual innuendos and things like that. And there's little bits of footage of there floating around of him, like mimicking the genie and doing the thing and being Rob Williams, which is what you want. Uh, but obviously for that Disney product, they couldn't do it. Uh, for the final version. But just the fact that they kind of let yeah. him go. Right. And just like, just do it. And then we can edit out all the swears and stuff.
1: Yeah, no, that's, 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 that's so right on because I feel like that you're going to find more material doing something that way than you would, um,
0: trying to be cautious. just trying
1: to stick so hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, so, so it's like, it's like, cause you, you, know, it's like, you, like you said, it's like, you know, just go, just do your thing and then we'll edit it later. It's like, but, you know, it's like if more, if they did that with more movies, they're like, okay, let's just, let just do this. You know, let's, let's, the movie that we make, let's push it as far as we can, especially with stuff like that, you know, especially with like the second coming to America movie or any of yeah. that kind of stuff and go, okay, whatever doesn't work, we can edit that later, but at least you have the material. Mm-hmm. You have it. You have record, you have, you have, you know, not, you know, on, on a drive somewhere. <laughs> um, A movie that was closer to what the vision should be perfect example is the snyder cut now granted that was a little different because it was zack snyder and like he was trying to but the thing is is like the material was there the -hmm. material was there to to make the version that he wanted um you know, like it wasn't scrapped. It wasn't lost. A lot of it had already been filmed, obviously. So like, it was like it's not the same example. I was like, but you know what I'm getting at? I was like, you know, mm-hmm. you have, you, you should, you should be able to, and I, and I work in entertainment, you know, it's like, I understand, I understand film budgets and I understand that some of that, that, you know, studios are some of the biggest penny pinchers you'll ever meet in your life. Um, but at the same time, it's like with the end of the day, If you're making a movie that can cover multiple genres, you know, cover, you know, like it can go different ways or especially something if it's a comedy and you've got a lot of um, really strong comedic talents on there, you need to be able to get enough recorded that you could make two completely different movies. And I don't mean like completely different storylines, but like the vibe can be completely different Mm -hmm. between the two copies. Between the two versions, and I think part of the reason that that we don't see enough of that is because you know a lot of it has to do with the budget and penny pinching. But then, like you go and you look at the outtakes from oh, bridesmaids. Oh yeah, bridesmaids. Mm -hmm. uh, Melissa McCarthy, Mm -hmm. her outtakes are hilarious mm-hmm. because they did that. They're like, we'll just make, we'll, ju-, you know, like all the, all the greats, Jim Carrey's done that. Melissa McCarthy's done that. Steve Carell's done that. Like where you see it all in the outtakes, like, a, you know, the, the waxing scene in what is a four is that 40 year old version that yeah. he gets Steve the chest Carell. waxing happens? Steve Carell, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When, yeah, there's so many versions of different, you know, things that he said when they were doing that. And I'm like, he's like, you can, you know, and then you've got all this material to work with and you don't end up, you know, you can end up going, okay, well, this is the movie we want. And they're like, okay, you can't have that. Start pulling back from that instead of, you know, being cautious. It's like, it's like when you're asking for a raise or you're asking for, you know, the salary, don't, or selling something, anything, always aim high, mm-hmm. always aim high, you know, because it's easier to scale back from high than it is to try and push forward from low.
0: So. On that note too, then that's my second one, which is, um, mm-hmm. uh, a weird pick, I, I, guess, uh, but it's Duran Duran's Wild Boys video. I, that came out in 84. I was 10 years old, and it, my jaw hit the ground. At the time, like you said, aim high, mm-hmm. this, this video cost a million pounds. And it's um, about 10 minutes long, and it's just completely absurd. Yeah. Uh, Simon Lebon is on a windmill, and he's kind of um, – so it, it rotates, obviously. And part of it is he goes uh-huh. under, underwater. Um, and at one point it actually got stuck with his head under the water. So they had to go grab him before he drowned. Um, and so it's basically like, to me, it was a couple of things. One was like the, the, the video starts off. It's completely absurdist and it's like completely nightmare fuel too. There's like a bin and robots and there's like, um, really kind of savages, I guess, wild boys. Um, and so you're like, I don't know what's happening here because up till then, Duran Duran had, had, had like, they were kind of noticeable, like, in terms of the videos, they had, like, you had, you had to stay up late because they would put uh, girls on film uh, late at night after midnight, which was the, which was a weird concept, right? Like, that there was, like, nudity in, in music videos and things like that. They had mm-hmm. the kind of classy, uh, stylish, like, real, and Hungry Like the Wolf mm-hmm. was, like, a cross between the Indiana Jones and Miami Vice, right? So, yeah, it, it was all mm-hmm. kind of, like, classy and clean and whatever. And then you get to, like, Wild Boys, and it's dirty, and it's gritty, and all the gloss and everything from the other videos is gone. And it opens up with them, Mm -hmm. like, uh, the band members are basically, like, in this, like, dark classroom, and they're tossing the the desks away and stuff like that. And I was – I kind of had a similar experience as you growing up in school. I didn't like this, like, education system. I didn't like this curriculum. So just to see them, like, tossing the things away, right – and kind of going to this like nomadic existence. I was like, yeah, this is the language that I've been trying to say. This is what I'm like. I don't like this. Like, because uh, even like when Simon sings, they tried to tame you. Looks like they'll try again. I was like, hell yeah. That's exactly what they're coming for you. Right. So it finally gave me the mm-hmm. language to kind of like express like, I don't like this. I don't want to be part of this. I don't want to sign up for this curriculum. And at the same time, because it was all like futuristic and weird and Mad Max-y and stuff. I guess that seems to be my aesthetic. Because I just did weird science, but because it seemed to be all Mad maxi, I was like, uh, I I like this darkness. I don't know what how how you guys got from like real to this, but whatever, like this grim future that you're projecting, I really dig it. Mm-hmm.
1: No, I'm like, and I pushing the envelope, you know, being willing to try something in different ways um and not being so afraid of how that's gonna affect you in the end um really does make for great artistry you know a lot of people think it's like oh well you know these people get pigeonholed because it's like you got to do it this way or you know you're not gonna um but we have seen you know from all the people like you're talking about like that, exactly like what you're talking about during Duran. I was like, they're trying, you know, you try all these different things I was like, and did get remembered for that. You get remembered for the creativity, you, you know, and I was just thinking like when you mentioned, uh, you know, you mentioned the video came out in 1984 and I was thinking, I was like, you know, my head just me that popped in my head was Michael Jackson's thriller, which came out in 83 mm-hmm. Michael Jackson's thriller. Is still my favorite song to this day, and it's like one of those things where it's like a nostalgia thing at this point. But it, I will still. Anybody ask me what's your favorite song? So Michael Jackson's Thrill. It was gonna be that way. It's been that way since I was three years old when it came out. But I started thinking about it when you were when you were talking about that stuff. It's like you know the you know all these different you know vibes and you know themes and stuff. And I and I start thinking and I start thinking about his videos for that album. I mean the. The thriller video itself is legendary. It is one of the greatest music videos of all time. That's, there's no argument there. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I started thinking about, I was like, okay, well, what are the videos? He's got Billie Jean. And then I was like, oh, but he's also got beat it. And I was, you know, I was thinking about those videos and I was like, you know what? I'm like, they're all kind of the same. They're like, it's, they're dark, they're gritty. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, Dark Lonely Streets, um, you know, there's the whole West Side Story fight in in uh, Beat, Beat it. it, but it's still, yeah, but it's still, there's just, there's, I mean, there's a lot of differences, obviously. I mean, the songs, you know, none of them are the same, but, but there's still a lot that's the same. I mean, honestly, Bill, if you took Beat It and Thriller, I could see where there could be similar, like, those are fine. But even if you, like, if you look at Billy Jean, I was like, you could have done something completely gritty, like that, you know, it's like, yeah, I thought the whole, like, like, like ground, like when it changed colors, I thought that was cool. You know, obviously it's where we were introduced to the moonwalk, but it wasn't in the video. Actually, it mm-hmm. was in that, um, what was it? It was, a uh, Motown. Motown. It was the, the Motown special. Yeah honest to god for years i'm like i i'd seen the billy jean video but just has asked like, oh, god for years in my head the official video for billy jean was that motown performance
0: yeah it was incredible Um,
1: it just was you yeah. know it was and it's like and that's what I'm talking about. i was like you know and then i and then i go okay well then the next album like, this just like you didn't actually see him attempt creativity with different songs on the same album until bad came out and i don't know if that has to do with um You know, because this was only his second um, solo album. Off the Wall was the first, Mm -hmm. you know, with Thriller. So is that I mean, like he went big with the song with Thriller, the song and the video. I was like, but is the reason that there was so much similarity is because there was still he didn't have quite as much control um, over his solo career. Whereas, you know, you look at Bad was like, yeah, the video for Bad is very much a send up to I felt it was a send up to Beat It and all that kind of stuff. But Leave Me Alone Mm-hmm. Completely different vibe. Dirty Diana. Yeah. Kind of a similar vibe, but at the same time, the song warrants it. Mm-hmm. And then um, oh god, what's the what's the biggest smooth criminal? Oh my god, smooth, like, like even though it's like it so kind of falls into that that some there's still it's so different. Although Leave Me Alone is like the biggest difference of all of them. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't really see that change in stuff until his future work, and it's interesting because you would think for someone who came up with thriller when Thriller came out, you would think, it's like, okay, well, it's a, like you said, it's a masterpiece, and so all the stuff around it, you know, you know, he was, no matter what you think of him as a person, like, he was a genius, like, he was a genius musician, so all the stuff around it should be, you know, you should feel like there's so much creativity, I was like, and there really wasn't, you know, with, like, with what you're talking about, you know, Duran around, I was like, you know, it's just, like, no, we're gonna do what we want to do, we're gonna do it how we want to do it, and we're gonna have fun with all of it, you know, um, and so, it it's it's interesting because people will look at people history will remember michael jackson as one of the greatest artists of all time they will not put duran duran at that level mm-hmm. but there's on some levels there's more creativity that came out of though them than came from him and i find that fascinating like literally that just kind of pops into my head when you were talking about it I was like oh yeah but that thriller came out of here really that's just like my head snowballed i'm like oh my gosh he really wasn't as creative as some of the artists around him happening at that time and people were having fun with music videos back then like they were like oh my god we can make like these like crazy videos you know a- videos in the 80s you know yeah we got some good ones that came after that but man there were some great videos that came out of the 80s when mtv became a thing and i felt like we should have seen more creativity in some of the artists that we expected it from than we did
0: yeah, I think that's... I, I think what think Michael early. Jackson... What his real co- uh, contribution was the Thriller video. And then that put the pressure on everyone to, like, step up their game. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yeah, now it's, it's like... True. This is the... Like, because at the time, it's a brand new medium. Right? So nobody knows really kind of what to do with these yeah. videos. And some people were just doing, like, concert performances and, like, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, some little claymation videos and things. Really simple stuff. But then once, like, mm-hmm. Michael Jackson's, like... By the way, I made a whole like I made a video that's longer than the actual song, and it's like a mini movie, right? Once he kind of done mm-hmm. did that, then it's like okay, then like now you've established the gold standard of what these things can be, that's and right. ev- everyone's gonna then rise the and fall rock. on whether <laughs> you contribute something to it or not. Like if you did something, like if you can meet that standard, it's like NBA, right? Uh, where like Michael Jordan's like the gold standard. Right. Six championships, like mm-hmm. utter domination. All right. So now everybody else has to then kind of like either like rise and fall based on that standard. Like, how good are you based on that?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's always, I think the the hardest thing is like it, it's not just if you can um like contribute something great to like pop culture. But if you could actually reset or establish the standard, then that's phenomenal. That only a handful of people really get to do that.
1: No, that's absolutely true
0: um and
1: you're right it's like it's like that video came out and it's like gloves were off because i think it didn't didn't mtv premiere in 1981
0: i want to say it was 1981 we're doing the and so thriller would have only come out right now it's the fourth yeah okay
1: yeah because yeah yes yeah. Yeah, so, okay and yeah, yeah, then you have in 1981 mm-hmm. so and the, the thriller only came out two years later mm-hmm. you know and so then it was like oh so this is what we can do yeah and then you're getting stuff like i mean i mean bohemian Rhapsody is kind of genius but it was like it was genius in its simplicity and not at the same time but also i like mean, mia popped into my head was take on me that
0: video yeah right I like mean, what that it, yeah and that made the song or, right
1: or or yeah. Uh, honestly, I think it really did. I was like, it's like you started thinking it's like, it's a great song. I was like, don't get me wrong. I was like, if you think of the song, you think of the video. You mm-hmm. absolutely think of the video. You know, um and uh um the um although Robert what was the song? Why am I blanking on the song? Robert Palmer song.
0: Oh, um Irresistible, simply irresistible. Girls. No,
1: Similar is this. Well, I'm like, it's yeah. literally just, I'm like, it was one of the most simplest videos, but it was genius the way it was set up. It's like, it's like, he knew it's like sex sells. So I'm going to stand up on a stage. I'm going to sing my song, but all the girls in the back who are clearly not playing these instruments at all, yes. which was, and they're, they're yeah. just kind of like dancing, like they're bored, mm-hmm. which was all part of it, you know, but they are completely decked out, made up. Um, it made that song, that video and him, you know, infamous mm-hmm. um that kind of stuff you know and just the things that people have done over the years i mean uh, you know since this whole thing started out with us talking about it's supposed to be like the top you know our three or four or whatever um i'll loop back in lincoln park it's interesting because a lot of their videos are are very 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 creative and very well done but they came into their fame when the the height of music videos had started to was starting to wane. Now they the all those guys like most of them met in college. Um uh the only one that they didn't the the only one that wasn't from Los Angeles that came in after the fact was Chester. Um but like Mike went to art school and I think that's where he met Joe, their DJ um, and i i'm trying to remember how the rest of them, i'm blanking on how everybody knew each other and just blanking on them right now um but like they're creative people I'm like that's our thing johan ended up directing most of the video the Dj their Dj ended up directing most of the videos that they did because they wanted to put as much of a creative slant on as possible mm-hmm. you know and so you look at some of those videos and they are they're very individualized they're very creative they're it's not one is similar to the other but you know they're wildly different videos from, you know, and they tie really, really well into what this song is about. Um, but at the same time, it's like, they, they were like, thir- you know, 20 years, 30 years too late from when, you know, it's like this, it's like what we we're talking about with Twitter space. It's like, nobody's really using it yet. So it's like, what is going to be, what is going to be considered the gold standard when podcasts first came out, you know, people were trying everything because they could. And that's where some of the biggest ones that you remember come from the early years. And so, you know, when it becomes a, just an established, whatever the creativity doesn't get as a lot of artists are either not being creative because they just don't need to be, they're just having fun and doing what they want. Or it's, some of them, like they're not even making music videos. Some of them, mm-hmm. um, some artists just don't really even do that anymore. Um, or just a
0: lazy lyric video. So, now.
1: yeah, I hate those things so much. Although, sometimes it helps if you're listening to a song and you're like. I cannot tell what this lyric is to yes. save my life, especially yeah. if they do, especially if it's an official lyric video. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still pissed that there's no official lyric video for REMs. It's the end of the world as we know it. I know all the words to that song. I can sing it, I can sing it without backing music. I know all the words to that song. And it took me years to make sure I was getting it all right because mm-hmm. no, there is no official lyrics out there anywhere. Yeah. but that's Michael Stipe.
0: He refused to put out lyrics for any of the that's true. earlier albums. I think really until about monster, uh, there really wasn't any lyrics. So he's yeah. weird like that. Well, he should
1: have because there's one part of the song that, that there's a, if you look at all of those lyric websites, you know, genius lyrics and like A to Z love all those ones. Um, there's one, li- there's one verse in that song that it is an even split between websites over what is actually said there. So I just picked one. I picked the one that I said that I thought sounded closest to what it actually is. Um, but neither of them really makes sense in that particular spot of the song, which is probably why no one gets it right. Yeah. So I'm, I, I, you know, Michael Stipe's actually from the hometown of, me, let me see if you can answer this question for me because I want to know what that lyric is. Anthony's is Georgia. Yeah, Athens. Uh, One of my one of my oldest friends from actually elementary school. She's she lives there. She's lived there since like junior high, actually. So, Mm. um, she 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 told me she's like she used to swim around town all the time. Um,
0: but so, mm -hmm. then I want to. So there you go. I wanna. I don't have a way to transition this, but I guess well, REM was a big uh, music. uh, So I wanna. You you were you initially said you want to do TV, uh, radio and film, and I thought it was interesting that you included radio mm-hmm. in this topic. So I I mm-hmm. cheated and I used radio and I used film at the same time. Uh, from nine August 22, 1990, pump up the volume, the Christian Slater uh, movie. Uh huh. I thought this uh-huh. thing was phenomenal, and it actually still holds up today. There's a line that he has, a couple of lines that he has at the end of the movie. I'm going to recite them now, and it's. It's completely Mm -hmm. like, like I said, this came out in 1990, but this also sounds like it's something that could apply from like last week. He says, Christian Slater says, I'm a member of the Why Bother generation myself. I mean, it's time. It begins with us, not with politicians or the experts or the teachers, but with us, with you and with me and the ones who need it the most. Everyone mix it up. It's not game over yet. It's just the beginning, but it's up to you. I'm calling for every kid to seize the air. Steal it. It belongs to you. Speak out. They can't stop you. Find your voice and use it. Keep going. Pick a name and go on the air. It's your life. Take charge of it. Do it. Try anything and talk hard. That's like, that's the whole podcast revolution. That's like social media. That's like everything. And that came out August 22, 1990.
2: There, you know,
0: it's,
1: There's a lot of really, there's a lot of good movies around that time that were very socially conscious movies. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like we're seeing that circle back again now. Um, And it's, and you're right. It's like, it holds up so well. It holds up so well. And it's, I just, you know, it's like, you sometimes wish though that like lines like that were taken a bit more seriously by the public, especially,
0: you know, like. I did. you, You know. I was like, hold on. (laughs) Because there was like no internet, right? This is 1990, right? So we're barely online at this point. And I'm like, hold on a second. I got to write this down. (laughs) Like, this is all gold here. Like, I'll do it. This seems like this was something, this was literally a manifesto that you can adopt, right? Like, seize the air. Go on, like, find your voice and like, talk hard. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, all right, then like, let's do this thing, right? Like, it's something that like, it struck a nerve. And I mean, like, part of what I do with uh my summer layer my podcast is like i i give the space for guests to kind of talk about um how they quote unquote seize the air either they wrote a book or a documentary and kind of like their creative Mm -hmm. process right because it was like they felt they had to say something they had to get this out they had to make this documentary they had to make like they had to write this book and so it's mm-hmm. more than just like getting people to like watch that book or or sorry watch that documentary or read that book or whatever it may be. It's also like like revealing the old man behind the wizard. Like what was the you got up every day and you put in time and effort to make this thing right? Because these things don't yeah. happen like in a ten minute span or something like that, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. what made you get up every single day to get uh, like put the time and effort and the work in to make this thing happen, right? Like, what was your manifesto, basically, is what I'm getting at.
1: I don't think I can answer that question. Now I'm going to have to think on that. We, I know it's like rhetorical, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm going to have to think on that.
0: We can leave it there. We covered quite a bit um, for this uh, my, we did. my Summer layer Space Station Oddity episode. Um, so to recap, I guess three of my cornerstones are "Pump Up the Volume," uh, Duran Duran, and Weird Science, which I guess I probably should put up as a mm-hmm. Tinder bio, just to warn the ladies. <laughs> and uh, what are your? How would you recap your your uh, cornerstones from radio, TV, and film? Buffy.
1: The, yeah, Buffy for television, Star Wars for film. And that's just because Star Wars is what kept, you know, me and my brother from killing each other over the years. It's, you know, it's just like it was the glue that bound our relationship together still is. Um, And then Linkin Park, because Lincoln, I think the easiest way to say this is that Linkin Park upended my entire viewpoint of music. Like without question, they upended it entirely because when i when i when they're when they first came out the very first time they came out was one step closer and he sings at the end of it that's when he at the end of it i mean he screams at the end of it, it says shut up when i'm talking to you it's a shove over He's screaming shut up at the end of it
2: mm-hmm.
1: i hated that song when it came out Hated that song and that was why i used to say i hated it is because screaming wasn't singing and then one day i was getting off i was sitting at a light going to campus and the song was on and i started singing along at that point in the song and didn't even realize i was doing it until the song was over and i'm like whoa i'm like i'm actually digging this and before that, I'm like, yeah, I liked rock music. I did. But my viewpoint on what I considered good music just completely expanded in like this astronomical sort of way. I started, you know, when I started really digging into their music, I started digging into things I never, ever, ever in a million years thought I would listen to, ever. So, um, and then, you know, they've been my favorite band ever since. They still are to this day. All right. I've seen them perform 16 times.
0: Oh, that's that's- that's some good <laughs> All right.
1: I told that I ran into Mike Shinoda at the airport once. And even when I told that to him, he's like kind of gut bug guy. He's like, whoa, 16. I'm like, yeah, yeah. 16.
0: <laughs> so uh, we will end that there. We'll, end, we'll have to have another, another time, another story. Uh, so thank you for hanging mm-hmm. out. Uh, this has been another episode of my summer layer space station oddity. Uh, I've been Sammy. I've been Stephanie. And, uh, thank you for hanging out. That's it. I guess we need to call like a thing at the end or a call to action or uh, something. I don't know how to end these. Anyways, that's it. Peace out, everyone. Peace out.